0: Awesome, awesome. Well, now my, uh, my sermon just got half as charismatic as it usually is because I lost a hand. <clears throat> so many of you will probably appreciate that. <clears throat> if you know me, you know that I have a great love of duck hunting. Um, I, I absolutely love the frigid cold weather. Um, I love putting on my waders and getting to wait out. In the water, and one of the things I love most about duck hunting is that I get to have my dog, Nola, with me. And she does a pretty good job of retrieving the ducks that we actually shoot. And if shooting ducks offends you, I'm really sorry. <clears throat> Come over, I'll cook you some one time, and you won't be as sorry anymore. Um, and I love, I just love it, everything about it. And, and what I've learned is that duck hunting is really, when you think of it, it's just a game of deception. Ultimately, I'm I'm getting up, and I'm, I'm putting on camouflage, and so are my friends that I hunt with. We're putting on camouflage. That's the first step in deception. And then we get out there while it's still dark, and we put these plastic or whatever decoys, these lifelike fake ducks. And we put them out in water, and we put them in such a pattern as to dictate where the ducks will actually land on the water. Because we know their patterns and we know they're going to land in this specific spot according to the wind and all these things. So then we've got the decoys. And then you have these things called mojos. And that's for rich people. And they're these electrical, and I got a gift, so that's how I got them. But they have these spinning wings. And they look like ducks landing on the water. And from a mile away, ducks can see that movement. And they start coming over to your decoy setup. And then the last part of deception is you have this thing called a jerk rig, and it's decoys attached to a string on an anchor, and you pull it, and it makes ripples in the water, and it makes the ducks think that real ducks are actually sitting there when, in fact, they are not. And it makes the ducks want to come in and join. Oh, and then there's another added. You have a duck call that if you have any idea how to work it, it sounds like a beautiful hen saying, hey, come here, boys. And so these ducks, they just come in and they they open up and then man, it is lights out. You just start shooting, boom, 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 boom. boom. And then Nola takes off and you come back and you got a few ducks and you just do it over and over again. Hopefully until you either don't see any more ducks or until you hit your limit. Um, But I've learned that ultimately this duck is deceived and it cost it its life. And sadly, I believe the reality is that the church as a whole in our culture today has been deceived by lust. We've been deceived by our passions and that's costing us our lives. And so today, I wanna preach to you from a text that really is getting at that if you're a child of God, you must kill the lust in your life. So turn with me to Proverbs chapter five. Proverbs chapter five, and I I wanna give a few qualifiers. If you've already read Proverbs chapter five, you know that it contains things that are gonna make you and your grandmother blush, right? But if you've read Proverbs five, you also recognize that you read it in the word of God, and he inspired it. And if it's worth God's time to inspire, it's worth our time to study. And so I just want you to know that anything that's set up here will be said with an attitude and a heart of complete sacredness and reverence towards God's good design for our purity and for marriage. And so I just want to to comfort you if you're worried about what I'm going to say. I thought about titling my sermon two weeks notice because I thought I would probably get fired after I preached it. But I just want you to know that my heart today is simply to read from something that God wrote to us and see what God has to say to us today about our purity. So I'm going to read all of Proverbs chapter 5, and then we're going to go back bit by bit and see what the Lord has to say. So join me in verse 1. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge, for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps follow the path to Sheol, she does not ponder the path of life, her ways wander, she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and how my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you with, at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Well, if you haven't walked out yet, I think we're going to make it. Proverbs 5, you see immediately the, verse, the first verse says, my son, listen to me. This is a, a father speaking to his son about how to stay pure. Let me just take a moment and ask you, mom, dad, are you having these talks with your kids? I know they're tough. I don't have kids yet, but I'm imagining And it's going to be tough, but you have to do it. Teen Vogue, if you have a subscription to this, you should probably cancel it, and you probably will after I tell you this story. Teen Vogue, a magazine that's directed towards young girls age 11 to 17, recently published three articles. And those three articles were how-to articles on how to perform specific sexual acts. 11 to 17, and they're giving how-to instructions. I just want you to know, mom, dad, guardian, if you're not willing to have the hard talks, Satan will gladly step in in your place. And so are you going to reach your child with the truth of the gospel and God's design for physical intimacy, or are you going to allow Satan to influence your children? Think about that. And again, again, This is the father speaking to a son, and so I want us to begin with the perspective of, of God the father speaking to us, his children. And I know that the Bible inspired it to be son, but this applies directly to women as well, right? This is a child of God, and we're hearing from the word of God. So ladies, don't check out, right? This applies to you like, sweet, it said son, I'm out, you know? No, this is to everyone. And so with that lens on, let's continue Verse one, it says, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. Verse three, for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. Let me just tell you, lust is real and lust looks good. Lust is real. And lust looks good. You see, I'm not necessarily fond of honey. I'll, I'll eat it every now and then. And if I'm on like a no-sugar diet, I'll definitely eat honey because it's all I can get. But you've got to remember that in this time, they didn't have such a sugar-saturated diet. How many of you love Nutella or Nutella, however you want to pronounce it? Okay, not many of you. You need to repent and go get some Nutella and eat it. It's amazing. That's why I look pregnant. Um, We're not having twins, don't worry She's the only one that's indeed pregnant Um, But in this culture They don't have, you know, Frosties from Wendy's Or Blizzards from Dairy Queen And they don't have all this sugar And so what he's getting at, he's saying Son, the forbidden woman drips honey from her lips, there's nothing sweeter than what that looks like, son. I just want you to know. And then he says, in the end she is, or I'm sorry, in her speech is smoother than oil. Now this isn't, again, they don't have grocery store aisles of of just like cocoa butter and this, that, and the other. No, this is not a lotion-saturated culture either. And and so this is a type of like olive oil, which they would use for, um, of course, their skin. They'd use it for cooking or for medicinal purposes. And again, he's getting at this is something unbelievably valuable and precious. And he's saying, son, this is what temptation looks like. Now, I believe this text is literal, and then when it says forbidden woman, it's talking about an adulterous woman. But I want us to make the application, and I believe that it's faithful, to say that he could be talking about lust in all of its forms. And what, what is lust? Well, lust is just the longing and passions that you have. Um, but for today's sermon, I'm specifically talking about physical lust and, and the longings and the passions in regards to physical intimacy and something that you cannot have, at least at that time. Right? So it's, it's your physical passions for something that's off limits. That's lust. And so lust is real and lust looks good, and if you're a child of God, you must kill the lust in your life, right? And, and what happens when we give in to lust, right? It, it, it talks about that um, her feet go down to death, her steps follow the place to Sheol, which in this time, that's like the Old Testament understanding of the afterlife, right? It's where the dead go to live, Sheol. He's saying her feet go down to death, down to the place where the dead remain, She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she doesn't even know it. Lust has absolutely no purpose for your life other than to destroy you. Lust always leads to destruction. Lust is real, and it looks good, and it always leads to destruction. The father is warning his child about that. And then in verse 7, he's, he's, now he's set the stage, right? He's given a picture of what lust looks like and its effects. And then he tells his son, here's how you stay away from it. So hear from God your father today, child of God, here's how you stay away from lust. Verse 7, and now, O sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Before I get on to what he says how many of you have ever been on a roller coaster, right? And, and if you get on that roller coaster, there's always signs it, or someone like on a voiceover that says, please do not put your hands outside of, the bo- or outside of the roller coaster. Put your hair in the ponytail. Do not wear flip-flops, right? You've heard that. It's saying, don't get out while the ride is going. It will cause great destruction to your life. And that's what the father is saying. He's saying, my words are this roller coaster, and it's moving. Do not depart from what I'm saying to you, for it will cause you great grief. Do not depart from the words of his mouth. Verse 8, keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. You want to know what far means in Hebrew? Far. Far you just learned a great theological lesson, right? Keep your way far from lust. Do not go near. 1 Corinthians 6 says to flee sexual immorality, not to run towards it dodging arrows. I think a lot of times we, we read this text, keep your way far from lust, unless of course you just really want to give in. Keep your way far from lust. This is the first of two very blunt commandments he gives his son. And right here he's telling him, protect your purity from lust. Lust looks good. Lust always leads to destruction. And now he's told his son, protect your purity from lust by staying extremely far from it. Now, Far is going to um, look different for for all of us right first first let 's read the the results of what happens when you don't stay far from purity. And then we're going to talk about this definition of far, right? So it says, keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan, or it says you groan, when your flesh and body are consumed, also known as when you're not hot anymore, right? When you're young and you're in your prime, you think you can do it all. and you you spurn against the Lord's judgments, and you spurn against the Lord's design for your life to be pure and to keep yourself chaste and holy. And at the end of your life, I promise you, when your flesh and body are consumed, you will say how I hated discipline, my heart despised reproof, I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors, I'm at the brink of utter ruin in the presence of the assembled congregation." Youth, Let me just tell you something, okay? You don't know anything about purity and about what life has to offer for you. I love you, but I'm telling you the truth. You need to listen to those who are older than you. And when you're youth leaders or when there's parents or grandparents or um, people in your life that love you and they give you wise advice on how to keep yourself pure, you need to listen to it. Do not depart from the words, of their mouth. Right? Now that doesn't just apply to teenagers. That applies to everyone. Lust never stops attacking. And so you always need to listen to the voice of your teachers. If you've got a great brother or sister in Christ thats saying, hey, you probably shouldn't be doing that. You need to give serious consideration to those actions. So l- let me talk about far keeping far from something's gonna look different for you at different times in your life. Let me give a personal example. Um, I don't look like I go running, I promise you, but I did just recently start running again um, with my best friend, Ethan. And we go down to these trails in Fort Worth, and they're awesome. You're right alongside of a river, and you get to run, and if you get there not too early, then there's not gnats that just are all in your face. But anyways, we run, and jog, or ride bikes, or whatever it is, and one of the downsides of going there is there's a bunch of girls that, uh, that run in sports bras and spandex, and ladies, we're going to talk about modesty for men and women here in just a little bit. Let me just let you know, there ain't no room for Jesus in spandex, okay? they just, if you're wondering, should I wear this, or should I not? You should not. Men. If you're wondering if you should wear spandex, should I wear this or should I not? You should not. There's nothing. Jesus has nothing to do with spandex. Amen. Okay. And so I go running there, and, and as we're running, we're going along, and I'm about to die, and Ethan's in great shape, so he's moving on along, and we see these girls dressed with hardly nothing on, and I simply just know I need to look away. Right, I try not to run or ride off the path when I do so, but you, you look away. And um, and at this time in my life currently, I can go to that situation and my affections are not stirred towards sin. And I'm not longing to lust after them. there's always the definition or the, the desire of, hey, yeah, you recognize that and you're like, wow, I shouldn't do a double take. I'm going to look away but currently at this time in my life, I'm able to do that. But if in the process of doing that, I realize there's lust growing in my heart and my soul, when I see those people running, I'm gonna quit going. I'm gonna buy a treadmill and I'm gonna post a picture of Ashley right in front of me and that's how I'm going to go jog. Because I can look at her. And there was a time in my life in high school, I would not have gone to those trails if you'd have paid me a million dollars because I couldn't have been in that situation and not given in to the passions of my flesh. And so you have to check your heart. How far should I stay from this situation? Some people choose to never go to certain places or never to watch above this rated movie or this, and, and you have to be confident before the Lord on how far you will keep yourself from those temptations. And here's a good test. If wherever, whatever path you're on, if you're stirring up lust in your heart, then you need to get farther. If you're stirring up lust in your heart, you need to get further. Now, I do want to uh, also take, that was this two side notes, that was one of them on the definition of far and I want to talk just a little bit about modesty, right? Last week, I caught a few fish, and and as I was trying to clean them, they kept slipping out of my hands. I, I realized that fish are extremely slippery, right? And that's a little bit how modesty is, honestly. Modesty is a little bit of a slippery topic. Some people think, if you show your toenails, you are a vixen. And other people are like, as long as I'm not naked, it's okay, So I realize we've got some polar definitions of modesty, right? And and I wish, I wish that somewhere in like second opinions there was a rule on no one got second opinions. I wish there was a rule that showed me that like, I hope all of you can see my thighs. That like right here is like, oh, that's good Southern Baptist link. And then like up here is like, no, 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 little bit risque, right? And I wish there was a rule that could help me to know how we should dress at all times and all places. I just don't have that. I don't see it in scripture. If you do, please write a book on it, and I would love to read it. But I just want to say, first and foremost, everyone is responsible for their own sin, Men, if you look at a woman's body in a lustful manner, that is your fault. Women, if you look at a man's body in a lustful manner, that is your fault. You will answer for that sin on your own. And on another note, Jesus does say, Woe to the one from whom temptation comes. And so that gives us all a responsibility to dress in a godly way. And so I'll start with women and then I'll speak to men. Women... If you are dressing intentionally or even unknowingly in a way as to draw attention to your body or body parts, that is immodest. If you are dressing in such a way as that people's eyes are drawn to something other than your face, I believe that's immodest. And I'm not trying to be legalistic here, but the character of God is not revealed on the mid thighs. The character of God is revealed. They see it in your face, they see it in your actions without noticing your body parts. Men, exact same word to you. There is no reason for you, if you have a six pack, to cut your sleeveless shirt down to here. That is so silly. There's two sins there, immodesty and pride. Get real, okay? Bring that sucker up here. No one needs to see all that, okay? I shouldn't be able to see the person on the other side of you through the slit in your shirt. So men, if you are addressing intentionally so as to get other guys to wish they were as strong as you or for other women to look at your body in an admiring manner to where they're focused on your body, that is immodest. Stop dressing that way. God covered Adam and Eve in the garden. They were naked and unashamed. They sinned. They recognized their nakedness and then god kills an animal and covers them pre-fall nudity was perfectly good post-fall it's a shame and it reveals your sin so men and women the more you want to reveal yourself the more you say to god you don't care about sin in your life so i just wanted to hit on that for a moment right and then he says keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house I'm gonna move on I promise after this let me take my notifications off this right here men women this right here is one of the greatest struggles you'll ever have this phone and the opportunities you have through technology let me just say as as one of the pastors of this church through Facebook through Twitter through Instagram, through Snapchat, through Google searches, through any other websites, I personally have had to turn my phone off because pornographic content came onto my screen. And if I know it's happening to me, I know it's happening to you, and I know it's happening to our teens, this right here is the door. And you've gotta figure out how to work and live with using this for your life and for the kingdom of God while not going near the door of lust's house. That will take great patience and care. Maybe you don't bring it to the bedroom with you when you go to bed. Maybe you leave your laptop in the living room. I don't know what it is, but you have got to figure out how to not let Satan ruin your life through this thing. If you are a child of God, you must kill lust in your life up to this point we've really been focusing on as a single person uh, of course as, as you're married this also applies to you and if you're single let me just tell you God's word to you today is protect your purity prepare for marriage you prepare for marriage by protecting your purity so you can enjoy and give a gift to your spouse one day And you know what, God may call you to be single and praise God for that. We need more people who are able to devote every ounce of their energy towards serving the Lord and advancing his kingdom. If that's you, you will spend a glorious lifetime of protecting your purity and singleness and stay faithful with that. But now the text shifts over to his son in the context of a marriage to a woman. And he says, Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your, str- should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Before I get into to this next point, I-, I have to say one other thing is the desires you have for the opposite sex are good, godly, and healthy. You should not be ashamed of attraction to someone of the opposite sex. That is God's fuel to help you gain and prepare for a marriage down the road. Do not hear me say the desires are bad. It's the misapplication of those desires that's bad. Use those desires. Help them to propel you along. I remember running a marathon one time. Clearly, I don't run anymore. But I remember running, and I knew that we were coming to the last part of the race. And because I knew the end was in sight, I was able to give it all I had. To finish, let me tell you, there is purpose in being pure. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. Don't give up. And so now let's switch. He says, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. He's saying, drive your own car, right? Don't steal someone else's car. Don't let someone else come and step into yours and steal it either. A cistern was a a big dugout pit where they kept water. That's how they had water for their family, for cooking, for cleaning, and that you would have your own. He's saying, don't go over to this neighbor's house and dig deep into their well and come back and use it for your own pleasure. No, you have your own. Why would you go anywhere else? And that's the word to us married couples. Why would you go anywhere else for satisfaction besides your spouse? Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer and a graceful doe. He he says to rejoice in the wife of your youth. Not only are you to go to your spouse only for satisfaction, but he's saying, don't just go there for satisfaction, but rejoice in her. And of course, it's speaking of a wife, but we know this means a spouse, right? So a husband feels this way about his wife, and a wife feels this way about her husband, and he's saying, rejoice in one another. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, he's speaking about the wife here. Now, I'm a good old American redneck, and and I thought like a white-tailed deer, right? Not at all. They don't have white-tailed deer in Jerusalem, right? Funny thing, I wouldn't have thought about that. It's talking about like a female mountain goat or an Ibex. So Google an Ibex when you get home today, and you'll see it's these type of animals, and they're able to climb the rocks. And no matter what you have to say, hunter or non-hunter, you can't look at that animal and not say, wow, elegant, beautiful. This is a term of endearment. Husbands, we need to be speaking to our wives in terms of endearment. And wives, we need to, you need to speak to your husbands in terms of endearment. God clearly points that out in his word. And he says, a lovely deer and a graceful doe. Every deer hunter in here knows that the, the time of year when a buck is most likely to make the dumbest decision of his life is when it's in rut. And he's looking for that doe. Right? The lovely deer, a graceful doe. He's looking for him, And he's running through the woods saying, where's she at? Where's she at? Right? And this is what God, this is what God's saying that you as a husband should be like with your wives. Where is she at? I love her. I don't want to be anywhere without her. This is the one where I find my satisfaction. This is where I find my rejoicing, and it's in her. I won't stop until I find her. Never stop chasing your wife. He says, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son? And in, or with a forbidden woman, and embrace the bosom of an adulteress. This is the only time you'll hear God tell you to get intoxicated, right? Every time else he's saying don't get intoxicated, stop drinking, stop doing this. But when it comes to marriage, he's saying do it more. Be intoxicated, love her, go crazy for her. Get wrapped up in in your affections for her so much that you act silly. You just simply can't handle and think straight because you love your spouse so much. I remember uh, the president of my seminary telling me a story about how he's traveling the world, and he'd been traveling I think in Germany, and, and he'd been busy all day long, all day long. He said, no matter where I go, no matter how long I've been traveling, he said, there's one thing, it's the very best part of my day. And he says, it's whenever I call mama, and I say, huh, honey, I missed you. And I just get to hear her voice, He said, there's nothing that could ever compete with hearing the voice of my wife after a long day traveling. And I'm sitting there, and I had just traveled to Chicago for a few days at that point, and I really almost forgot about talking to Ashley because the city was so cool. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't even know if I love Ashley. And and I'm, like, sitting here, and I'm convicted that, that this guy has such a deep love for his wife. And I'm sitting here like, I need to repent and call Ashley and tell her I love her. And, and if you're, maybe that's your response today is, I see that God says I'm supposed to feel all these things, but man, it's been a, we've been married for a long time. We've got all these kids and we're so busy. Pray and ask the Lord to increase your affections for your spouse. God will answer that prayer. You pray it hard. God, let me have eyes for no one but my, my wife. God, let me have eyes for no one but my husband. That way, when you see the... The immodestly dressed women in public or in the restaurants or when you're at work, you just simply say, I love my wife and there's nothing that can make me want to leave her. Lust looks good, but it always destroys, and I am not giving in. And, and ladies, whenever you meet that man that's just unbelievably kind and, and you and your husband are having a hard time and, and you seem like he's not listening to you and he doesn't care about you, well, through praying and, and begging God to increase your affections, you'll say, I don't care what that man has to offer, it's not my man and I will rejoice in him, and you will rejoice in her. If you are a child of God, you must kill the lust in your life. If you measure your marriage, now I think some of the guys may be really happy, like, sweet, Tyler's telling us all kinds of great things we need to put into application, right? I'm not saying that a marriage is measured by physical intimacy. A marriage that's completely measured on physical intimacy alone is selfish, and it is on the road to destruction. Song of Solomon says that in marriage there's little foxes that like to come in and and ruin the fruit in the vineyard, right? And so there's little foxes, little temptations, little evils that come into your marriage and try and spoil it. And when you measure your marriage success based on physical intimacy, you are opening the door wide open for little foxes to come in and spoil. But on another note, if you, man or woman, are not listening and adhering to the needs of the physical, the physical intimacy needs of your spouse, man or woman, you are opening that door wide open for little foxes to come in and spoil. Successful marriages, Dr. Patterson says, successful ma- marriages are ones that can openly talk about the balance of each other's needs. Physical intimacy in marriage is a litmus test for the health of that marriage. I'm not saying it's what makes it, but I'm saying if you guys cannot share and, and drink deeply in your own well, and if you can't rejoice in one another, and if you can't come together and enjoy yourselves and, 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 be, and share a bond with one another, and then that's a very telltale sign that there's bad communication or there's bitterness it hasn't been dealt with, or maybe you're too busy, or you haven't resolved a conflict. Everyone's going to handle this situation differently, everyone's needs are different, but you have got to talk with your husband or wife and express your needs and then work relentlessly to meet each other's needs. And when two people are trying as hard as they can to outdo the other one in meeting their needs, you'll never have to worry about being neglected. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, Tyler, this is all cute and good, but that ain't the way it works in my home, right? If you, if you knew anything, this is the furthest thing from the truth in my marriage. Well, maybe you are tired. Maybe you are lazy. Maybe your spouse is lazy. Maybe they don't deserve anything. You can keep going down that road of sin and destruction and allow foxes to come in and allow lust to come in and to bring destruction into your marriage or you can protect your marriage from lust and you can fight to come together and talk and you can fight to take steps to increase your intimacy and strengthen your marriage. Maybe you and your spouse are going through some really hard times. Maybe there's a lot of hurt in your marriage. Very, very good possibility. You need to come together and talk and work through it. God's word to you. The father speaks to his son. He says, you got to protect your purity, right? And then you got to protect your marriage from lust because there's so many doors that can open and lust will come in and lust will destroy. Aren't you tired of seeing broken families and broken homes and divorces in your day? You have one marriage to display the gospel, right? Or the marriage you have, you have to display the gospel. What gospel are you displaying? Your marriage speaks about God. What are you saying about God in your marriage? Are you saying that he's a good God and he redeems sin? Or are you saying that he cannot work or display goodness in your marriage? Are you willing to work to display a better picture of the gospel in your marriage? We are here to help you. This is what the church is for. Believers to help one another and then pastors to help uh, the congregation. There's a story of a man named Charlie Shedd, and he wrote a few letters to his son called Letters to Philip." Philip was about to get married, and so he wanted to write him several words of advice about marriage. And the very last letter he writes to his son in this book is called, A Man Who Had a Thing About Guns. And Charlie was a pastor of a church, and uh, one of like the chairman of the deacons or a trustee or something was in his church, and um, he would always go d- duck hunting with this man. And, and he went duck hunting with him for a few reasons. One they could talk shop about church while they were there and get some business stuff out of the way while shooting some ducks. It's a great way to do things. Um, And then he had a struggling marriage. Uh, His friend had a struggling marriage and he was hoping to counsel him and help to see that marriage be redeemed and reconciled. And then third of all, and probably the biggest reason is he had the best duck hunting lease in all the land. And so he wanted to go duck hunting with him. Well, this man always kept his guns unbelievably polished and and lubricated and and always was just beautiful. And every time Charlie would go hunting with him, his friend would just like, man, just destroy him. I can't believe you don't oil your gun. I can't believe you don't take care of it. Look at all that rust on it. That's because you don't care about maintaining your gun. And he said, what kind of a fool invests so much into something so nice only to let it go to pot? And so Charlie said that he would always go home with this resolve that I'm gonna clean my gun. But every time he got home he said he'd see his wife and she'd been waiting for him to come home. And he said just as soon as he saw the twinkle in her eye he forgot about everything he wanted to do with his gun. And he said he'd sit down and just talk with his wife and just like that his gun went unmaintained again. But yet his friend his friend had a cabinet full of these beautiful guns all well oiled and well maintained. But Charlie remarks that his wife couldn't handle him anymore. And he was simply not faithful. And she left him. And Charlie writes to his son, what kind of a fool invests so much into something so good only to let it go to waste? Don't let your purity go to waste. And don't let your marriage go to waste. Protect your purity from lust and protect your marriage from lust. I would like everyone to, to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask Dave to come and the band to come and play. I want to give you a moment to respond. Now this is a pretty touchy topic, pretty personal, and so I'm not going to give any specific invitation to you husband or wife or single person I'm gonna give an open call (laughs) if you need to come and pray and you just want to pray with your wife or pray with your husband or if you and some of your friends you just want to pray that God will continue to help you be strong to stay pure as you work towards marriage or as you serve the Lord in singleness I just want to give you a chance to come and respond to that we're gonna have people up at the front And if you wanna pray by yourself, just go straight to the altar. If you want someone to pray with you, come up, shake our hand, and we'll pray with you. Now, I've spoken very openly to believers today. And I wanna point out something that if you've never surrendered to the love and lordship of Jesus Christ, you can be the most pure person in the world. You could have the greatest marriage in the world, but here's the deal, at the end of the day, you will die and you would have missed out on the purpose of purity and the picture of marriage, which is Jesus Christ. And you will spend your eternity separated from all things good and God himself because you have fallen short of God's perfect standard. Just like all of us have, you've fallen short. Maybe you've made lots of mistakes when it comes to purity or Maybe a lot of mistakes when it comes to your marriage. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And 6.23 says, and the wages of that sin, which all of us have done, leads to death. The wages of that sin is death. But here's the good news, Romans 5.8 says that even though while we were yet sinners in rebellion to God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans 10:13 says that for all who call out on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I wanna give you a chance as well. If while you've heard the word of the Lord this morning, you've recognized that you have squandered your purity or you've brought destruction into your marriage or maybe it's something so much less than that. Maybe you just realize you don't have the strength to do it on your own. Or maybe you're recognizing that you want to follow the Lord. You wanna know the purpose of purity and that's to honor the Lord. If that's you, I wanna give you a chance. If you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ today, the altar is open for you as well. The band's gonna sing and while they're singing, you come forward. If you wanna pray by yourself, you can. No special prayer, just admitting to God that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you wanna repent of your life, and you wanna put your faith in him. If you wanna pray alone, come pray. If you wanna come pray with one of us, we're here for you. And so I'm gonna ask you all to stand and come and do business with God as the band